Hello, this is the Order of the Mustard Seed podcast, and I'm your host, Jill Weber. Well, welcome everybody. Uh, I am joining my friend Nina uh, via Zoom from Hamilton. Nina, it's nice to see your face again. It's been a long time. How are you? And um, tell us a little bit about who you are and your context there. Yeah, it's so great to be on the podcast. Um, My name is Nina. I'm uh, here in Hamilton, Ontario. Um, I was just saying to Jill, I'm almost a graduate of uh, Wycliffe College. I'm just finishing up a Master's of Divinity, and I've spent the last uh, five or so years of my adult journey um, doing all sorts of things from working at the local 24-7 prayer community here in Hamilton to uh, working at 541, which is a cafe eatery uh, that serves people who are experiencing homelessness and other folks um, I've worked uh, in intentional community settings in a variety of ways, including with refugee claimants and young students, et cetera. Um, And I'm sort of wrapping all that, that that kind of season of jumping into thing after thing after thing uh, right now um, by being an intern at a local church called Eucharist uh, and awaiting what God has next for me. So that's a little bit of my bio of, of who I am and what I've been up to. You've done a lot of living in how many years? How old are you, Nina? I'm going to out you. I'm 26 years old. 26 years old. Yeah. So Nina was part of our prayer community, Go Hop. Um, yeah, in Hamilton. So we've done stuff together. Lovely memories. So, so Nina, why join a lay ecumenical religious order? Like, what's with that? What was the appeal for you? I know, right? Uh, One of the appeals is that I love telling people that and seeing their faces. It's just so fun. Everybody's so puzzled. Yeah. So that was a, that was a a motivation for sure. No, I'm just kidding. But um, no, truly I, uh, so a couple of years ago, I was leaving staff with Go Hop and making space to focus on school and some other things. And I had loved being on the GoHop staff, the GoHop uh, being the 24-7 community here in Hamilton, because part of my job was to uh, pray um, a couple times a week in community and to take regular Sabbath and retreat and to um, care for my soul, to see a spiritual director, to be prayed for and to pray for others. And I was, uh, I was nervous that I would lose that if I went on into the very busy work of um, ministry or pastoral work or whatever it is uh, that I was moving on to or what I am moving on to. And, uh, and I, was, I was afraid that I would be too busy to pray. And so I knew I needed something to carry me, some sort of structure, some sort of small something that I can continue to hold on to even while I move on to what's next. And the OMS came to mind. Uh, and now I had a lot of friends who were part of the OMS at that point because of this 24-7 connection I had and whatnot and uh, was kind of confused about it. I was like, you know, I, these people, they wear rings or, <laughs> you know, and, I, <laughs> and they say that they're part of this thing, but I don't even really know what that means or like how they're doing anything different from anyone else. It's kind of feels very vague and strange, <laughs> but I'll give it a try because I do feel this this sense that I need uh, a piece of structure in my life still to help me pray. 
And so I went to the first meeting uh, for the year of prep and just told uh, my cohort leader, Peter, I was like, I don't really know if I'm going to stick around, but I'll come to the first meeting. And the first meeting really inspired me. You know, I came home that night to my husband, Dave, and I was explaining what was happening and I just started to cry and I didn't understand why. And there was something about being true that felt very poignant, very poignant. And I, I'm not even sure that I could explain it. I think it was just a moment where the Holy Spirit encountered me. And so in some ways I said yes to the OMS just because it felt like the Spirit was there. And um, that's it. That's beautiful. Tell me a little more about this thing of being true. What was about that that was important for you at that particular time? Well, I think that one of the things I looked back on, you know, I was 20. Oh, wow. The years are so hard to remember with COVID. <laughs> but 24, 25, when I did my vows, it was 2020, 25. And I uh, had sort of been, I, I think that part of what happened was I did the year of prep and it was an opportunity for me to look back on the first half of my 20s, that like early, early young adulthood and think about all the things that I had been true to, you know, in a non-judgmental, compassionate way, you know, past Mina was just trying her best, but I think I was able to realize that I had been true to all sorts of things. I had been true to uh, myself, you know, which is a little bit different than being true to Christ, like you vowed to do in the OMS. And, and, and I'd been true. In what way? To, Tell us what, how is that a little different in your mind? It's, it's just, I think that I, I have, there are all sorts of different parts of me, you know, there are, there's uh, political ideology, there's different theologies, there's different senses of who I am to others or who my vocation is or uh, what hats I wear, but that's different than being true to Christ. There's something about being true to Christ that becomes a deeper undercurrent than all those shallow things. And it felt like being true to Christ was tapping into a deeper well than the wells I had previously been in. And um, I've been a Christian my whole life and I, I have, I like to think I've been following Christ for the best I can since then. So it's not that there was a sense that I was on the wrong roads, but it was more that I was, um, I was on the edges of the center of the road. And there's something about that like narrow path that Christ talks about that felt like what I was encountering when I was thinking about being true. Um, I think that I've thought a lot about authenticity. I, um, the other thing that I realized a few years ago is that I'm an Enneagram four and I really value authenticity and I really value trying to be myself as best I can. And that's really good. But the challenge of that is that we don't usually know who we are, I, especially as a 20 something. I don't know who I am. Maybe by the time I'm 55 or 65 i'll know who i am but even then i have a feeling i might not i think <laughs> are a great decade just saying just finished okay. the 40s and 40s are awesome so was it good oh great <laughs> settle inside of yourself and you're just like all right 
this is who I am. This is what I bring into this world. Like it or lump it. Here you go. <laughs> oh, I so much to look forward to. I love that. But isn't it crazy that it takes 40 years, you know, for us to know who we are, but it takes just time and scripture and prayer to know who Christ is. And there's something very simple about being true to Christ. It's something very complicated about being true to ourselves. So I think those were some of the reflections I had when I was doing my year of prep. And talk to me about which, which I always ask this for most people that I'm interviewing, which of the practices have you found that have been really enlivened uh, in this season of being part of the order for you? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good question. I think one of the significant pieces has continued to be prayer. And that was the thing that drew me to the OMS. I really, I knew that, you know, I would find the energy to try to practice hospitality and I would try to, you know, and I, I preach as a vocation and so things like mission feel infused into my vocation, but prayer is something that can so easily become that thing that you always say you're going to do, but you never do or something that you, um, yeah, desire, but it ends up ending up at the bottom of the list. And so, um, it was around the time that I made my vows that, uh, Dave and I, my husband and I decided to commit each other to, uh, with each other to leaving the city once a month and uh, having a silent retreat just for the day, just for about six hours or whatever, which is something I was supposed to be doing when I was in GoHop, but I probably did about, I don't know, 40% of the time. <laughs> but now we've been, we've been quite good at it together. And um, that season, that like, uh, commitment that we made came at the season that I was making my vows because I was you, starting to work go together. Them. Like, do you guys like, this is your, your retreat date or do you just commit to each do retreat date? Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's sort of we're each other's buddy. And so we go to Creef Hills um, conference center and there are lots of lovely trails there and space to be quiet, space to set up a hammock, whatever. Uh, and so we'll drive up together and then we'll go and spend the day on our own and then meet again. Uh, around you know late afternoon dinner um and so that's really helpful it's so good to have a buddy you know yeah. uh i don't well, know if a, i'd be able to a, do it otherwise it's a community of shared practice isn't it and exactly yeah 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 and those are the things that i think the oms is great for is sort of making sure that there's an accountability network um and i mean my husband's not a part of the oms but he can he can help me you know and so things like that have been really helpful um continuing to see a spiritual director, continuing to make sure that I'm making time for morning prayer in community settings, you know, even if it's not OMS prayer, you know, in Hamilton, especially the lines between what's OMS and what's go up and what's, you know, um, other morning prayer times, they all sort of feel infused together, which is a beautiful thing about the city. Um, but yes, uh, being able to have a customary that I commit to and sort of have another look at every four or five months means that I have space for reflection about where I want to slot those things in and start to make them a routine. Tell me a little bit more about the morning prayer that's happening in Hamilton right now. I've heard rumors and it sounds. Yeah, lovely. it's been so fun. So um, uh, a couple of years ago, a, a prayer community popped up connected with the Anglican church called St. Luke's. Uh, and they do sort of an augmented version of the book of common prayer. 
And interestingly, people from all sorts of different denominational backgrounds, largely sort of non-mainline or evangelical, have been attending this prayer time. And I haven't been able to go every week because uh, it's on a different part of the city and it's at 6.30 a.m. So I can't say yes to that. That would be too crazy. Um, but interestingly, people have been people have been loving it. I feel like it's really brought a lot of life to the community during COVID. Um, and so more recently, and this is sort of a very much evolving and emerging thing, but we've been uh, at the church that I'm interning at, Eucharist, trying to do the same liturgy on a different morning of the week uh, at the Eucharist building. And uh, just sort of seeing where that takes us. You know, this is that we started about four or five weeks ago. So this is very emerging and evolving. But I really feel that there's a spirit of prayer on the city that's maybe not even located with the prayer community, but it's just blessed by the prayer community and um, expanding the horizons of who's praying in the city. Uh, so it's interesting to see where that will take us. I have a sense that um, there'll be more little communities that are doing Book of Common Prayer um, all around the, the lower city and uh, people can sort of jump from place to place to experience that. That's a wonderful. But you've also been creating prayer spaces and installations at your church, right? You want to tell us? Yes. That? Yeah, it's been so wonderful. I did uh, a summer placement at Eucharist and I've continued through and I'm staying until at least this summer. And uh, in my first internship in the summer, I needed to do a little project for the community. It was part of what uh, my college required of me. And I didn't know what exactly that was going to be. And especially during COVID, it's hard to know exactly what sort of project would be helpful for people. Uh, and I had thought, oh, I could make a prayer room. But then I was like, no, that's too easy. I do that. I, I've done that lots before with Gohoff. Like I did, you know, of course I would do that. That's, that's the easy option. So I, I let it go. But then interestingly, uh, the pastor there, Kevin, came up to me one day and was like, what if you made a prayer room as your final project? And I was like, okay, well, great, let's do it. And so um, a few weeks later, I kind of transformed their sanctuary into a prayer room with different stations for prayer, sort of focusing on Psalm 91, that Psalm where it says, uh, God is the, you know, I hide me under the shelter of your wings, I think, and um, different stations to sort of reflect on on God as our refuge. And I, then I just opened the prayer room or like the sanctuary that was a prayer room up uh, on Sunday afternoons, uh, even before the community was starting to gather again post COVID uh, for Sunday services and people could come by the building and pray. And it was a really meaningful time for people. It was really wonderful. I think it's interesting that that churches don't often do that. Hey, like just open the doors of their sanctuary to let people pray. Um, maybe in Europe still, I don't know, but in here in North America, it doesn't feel like that happens very much. So then we started opening it up for the congregation on Sunday afternoons. People could come by and explore the different prayer stations in the sanctuary that they had been in the habit of worshiping in, but weren't able to do during COVID of course. And people really were um, struck by it. And I think found it to be a meaningful space there's something about having a space away from home to pray, right? Um, and so then into the fall, we kept the stations open and even transformed them with the church calendar, sort of creating some Advent stations and um, trying to honor Epiphany and et cetera as we've been going through the year. Uh, and I have a creative team of artists. Eucharist has a lot of artists. So it was uh, fun to work with a, key, with a team to transform the spaces and 
Um, as things have evolved with COVID, there have been times where we've needed to keep the doors closed and open again. And so it's very much an evolving project. Uh, I'm not sure what God has next for it. It's been fun to do morning prayer there, as I mentioned. And I think the kind of open-handed hope is that it can continue to be a space where people can gather to pray and even um, practice ways of praying they haven't done before and uh, just sort of see what God has for the building and for the community in the, in the coming season. Wonderful. So, so prayer is a practice that you've really dug into and, and found that your involvement in the OMS has been helpful. I think the other part of being true to Christ is that whole creativity. So I know, <laughs> I know you're a creative person because I have your pictures on the wall Aww. here at Beverly Abbey. <laughs> We're trying to do here in, in our space that all the artwork is art that's done by members of the OMS or our, our close friends here. And so, yeah, oh, so I was really excited to get some of your stuff on the walls. Talk to us about your, your creative practices. Yeah, that's been another really, I'm so glad that creativity is one of the practices of the OMS. I think that's beautiful. And I uh, kind of um, cultivated a creative practice, uh, especially when I was on staff with GoHop. I just found that that was an avenue by which I could um, express myself and use my gifts in the True City Prayer Room, which is a, you know, annual ecumenical prayer event we do here. So... I have had a creative practice for a long while and it was something that especially evolved during my time being on staff with uh, GoHop. And it's been interesting that in the last year or so, I'm even just processing as I'm talking the reality that uh, being uh, a couple years into my journey with the OMS, I started to think more reflectively about how my creative practice can, I guess you can say, be true, you know? I think it's really easy, and I think a lot of artists hit moments like this where you're creating stuff that you think people will like instead of stuff that feels true. And um, creating little pieces so that you can um, share quickly more and more sort of and, and and this sort of thing there's something about Instagram that's very unhealthy for for me anyway as an artist uh it makes you feel like you need to be producing things frequently um so in the last year or two I've been really really reflecting on creativity and and being true and yeah it's something that I still think that I'm finding the words for um I didn't mention I'm a collage and mixed media artist and I work with acrylics and uh, collage. And um, I started to think to myself, what if I produce less, but produce things that feel very congruent with me spiritually. In fact, it came out of a, out of a dream that I had <laughs> and um, spending time that morning after a dream that I just got this sense that I need to, um, move slower in my creative practice. And so there's something about being prayerful in the work of creativity that I think is really countercultural is the biggest thing. Um, moving slowly in a creative practice is very countercultural. Producing things irregularly, but still calling yourself an artist is something that can, that I, I know other artists have communicated is so um, countercultural and um, we always feel like we need to be working on something. 
Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really curious about the, about the work of being a creative who follows a God who moves really slowly. So all that to say, I produced um, a, a series that felt really congruent for me uh, last summer and had a really fantastic opportunity to share it in a local coffee shop. And uh, that felt really, really meaningful. And I'm, I'm excited to see where God leads me in my creative practice in the years to come, because um, I'd like to continue to work really slowly and to do it with the spirit. It's easy to make things without the spirit. And it's, I think, a little bit um, slower and humbler to work slowly with the spirit. I don't know if any of that makes sense. I bet all the artists are nodding their heads and everyone else is like, what are you talking about? Anyway. <laughs> well, there's one thing, you know, I'm wondering this whole thing, are you, are you a content creator or yes. are you an artist? And they're not all, I mean, sometimes they're the same things. Um, but uh, yeah. Anyway. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's something very true about being an artist and something um, that's valuable about creating content but it uh, doesn't always give you the opportunity to dive deep into the depths um, of, of um, yeah, Christ, really, when, when creating. Mm. That's lovely. Nina, thank you so much. So appreciate you sharing about your journey and, and some of your practices. I think as we wind up, would you have any advice to 20-somethings around spiritual practices, spiritual formation, communities of shared practice what would you say to to 22 year old nina i think it can be really easy to think you need to arrive somewhere as a general statement you know whether that be vocationally or spiritually or um personally or relationally um in the context of life and community we, we want to sort of have arrived somewhere before we make a vow. <laughs> and I think for me, the OMS has been not so much an arrival, but a piece of the process. And it gives me language for my process. I think, um, you know, the call to be true it's not that I'm always true and that's why I made the vow. It's that I want to be true and I want to leave space for the spirit to remind me to be true. And so I made a vow when I was, yeah, in the middle of a degree and in the middle of my twenties and in the middle of all sorts of messy middles. And there's this quote I read this morning that feels really very much like, something I'd like to share with 20 somethings and almost as a way to say, I mean, you don't have to make a vow, but you can, there's an invitation to, if you want, <laughs> if Christ invites you to, and it doesn't need to signify any kind of arrival. So this is a poem by a Jesuit author named Pierre Tillard de Chardin. Above all trust in the slow work of God. We are quite naturally impatient in everything to reach the end without delay. We should like to skip the intermediate stages. We are impatient of being on the way to something unknown, something new. And yet it is the law of all progress that it is made by passing through some stages of instability and that it may take a very long time. 
And so I think it is with you. Your ideas mature gradually. Let them grow. Let them shape themselves without undue haste. Don't try to force them on as though you could be today what grace and circumstance acting on your own goodwill will make of you tomorrow. Only God could say what this new spirit gradually forming within you will be. Give our Lord the benefit of believing his hand is leading you and accept the anxiety of feeling yourself in suspense and incomplete. Amen. Lovely. Nina, I'm wondering if you could just pray for our listeners before we finish. Absolutely. Christ, thank you that you are the one who walks with us on the way, whether we notice it or not. And thank you that you have all of us in the palm of your hand and you even know what we need before we ask. And Father, I pray that you would bless and keep each one of the people who listen to the OMS podcast. (laughs) Would you inspire each of us on our journeys of being true uh, in prayer and creativity and whatever other practices you have in mind for us, Father, as we seek to be authentically honest and true to who it is that you have made us to be and to ultimately to you, Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Order of the Mustard Seed podcast. For more information about the order, you can find us at orderofthemustardseed.com or on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. May God grant us grace as we follow his invitations to be true and to be kind and to go. Go.